especially, you know, when we got married, I think a lot of friends were like, are you still going to do that thing? And we were like, well, of course, like that's, you know, that's what we're built on. And that isn't something we plan on changing. That's part of our relationship. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 136, take two. Take two. Here we are again. (laughs) We're Finn and Emma, and today we are talking with Amanda and Thomas, an awesome couple who have a wonderful story. Yeah, they reached out to us a few months back, and we were able to finally get the interview going and uh, I don't know. It's a super fun conversation. They approach non-monogamy a little differently, very fluid. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's a great conversation and a, a great approach to it that we think people will take a lot away from. Um, how they approach communication, how they approach sort of their individuality. And I mean, the cruise ship story. <laughs> Just wait, cruise ship stories. So you're going to want to listen. But first, we have a couple of quick announcements. The first is our community announcements. Our next virtual meet and greet is tomorrow night. That's Thursday. I almost said September. It's not September yet. July 23rd. It is not September. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe you're sick of not being able to go meet people these days. And we understand that. We feel you. So come to our virtual meet and greet. It's amazing. This will be like our third one, I believe. And it's just a great group of people. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with them. Every month it gets a little bit bigger. And we've got people, honestly, from all over the world joining. And I don't know, we're having a lot of fun with it. And we're mixing up the format a little this month. So we're going to give people a little more time to mingle with each other and get to know each other before we start throwing questions at you. So if you want to see what this is all about, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the meet and greet tab. And all of the information will be there on how to sign up. And we hope to see you there. Again, that's tomorrow night, Thursday at 7, 9. What time is it? (laughs) 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern. And also, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, darn, it's past July 23rd, that's okay because still go to that meet and greet tab. We will likely have all the information for the next one posted. That is very true. Our other quick community announcement is that our next video Q&A for our patrons is on July 29th. That's a week from today. And we do one at 9 p.m. Eastern and then another one at 9 p.m. Pacific. And we, these are great conversations Uh, that we have, we, it's a little Q&A, like we do answer questions, but honestly, it's just a discussion. Yeah. And this is a great group of people. Thank you, first of all, to all of our patrons for the support and for building this awesome community. And yeah, like Emma said, every month we've got a group of usually 15 to 20 people joining in for conversation about anything that they're having trouble with. And honestly, just meeting each other and making friends and connections all over the world uh, who are exploring non-monogamy and can maybe help answer and help them through some things that they're working on. If you want to join, you can go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, in case you didn't know that already, and go to the community tab, and there will be all the information to join. And real quick, before we jump into the interview with Amanda and Thomas, uh, we're seriously going to get to that cruise ship story. (laughs) 
<laughs> just wait. But we wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, Alt Playground, for uh, for sponsoring the show and for creating an awesome platform to meet other amazing, diverse, and incredible people in the non-monogamous community. If you're not familiar what Alt Playground is, it is an online platform, basically a dating platform for non-monogamous people, but... It's not just for dating. It's also just for building and making community. Yeah, they just launched a brand new feature that, well, called Forums. And obviously, most people know what a forum is. But it's a safe and fun place for members to share thoughts and ideas and anything they're looking for feedback on. So we're really excited about this because it shows that Alt Playground is constantly trying to listen to the community members and build new features in their website. Yeah. They're not just sitting back collecting paychecks. They're actually putting some effort in. So exactly. We're excited about that. If you want to learn more about them and join, head over to altplayground.net and sign up, or you can head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And there are links on the resources page and in the footer to hook you up. Yes. And really quick, before we jump into the interview, I just want to say thank you everyone for listening, for supporting the show. We are just so grateful to anyone who is part of our community. And even if you're not one of the Patreon people, you're still part of the community. Exactly. And we still love you for listening. Yes. And the best way to let us know you're listening. Reach out to us. Reach out. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. There's a button on our contact page. You can send us a voicemail. We'll send one right back to you. We'll probably, I don't know, be arguing or something. Something. <laughs> what? That, what? Why would we do that? Because we never argue. And yeah, it's a great way to let us know that you're out there. Tell us who you are. And honestly, come on the show and share your story. This this podcast does not happen without awesome people like you and Thomas and Amanda and every other guest we've had who've reached out to us to come on. So thank you to everybody. Let's go hear Amanda and Thomas. Let's go. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. Good <laughs> yeah, to be here. Amanda and Thomas, we're super excited to chat. We were just talking off off camera, even though there's no cameras, about your wedding and your honeymoon and coronavirus. So we're excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so us too. Do you mind introducing yourselves for the lovely listeners out there? Yeah, okay. I'm Thomas. I'm going to be 29 this year. I studied French and I worked in restaurants most of my life, appropriate to that education. <laughs> and I'm into music and I like reading a lot. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm 30. We're based in the Midwest. And yeah, I'm a musician. We, uh, I'll dive into it. We went to yeah, high school go together. For it. I don't think I told you that. That's okay. We no, did you, too. Spoiler we did too. Alert. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, we, uh, both grew up in New York state and we're not high school sweethearts, but we kind of just like ran into each other, like kind of naturally over, over like a holiday. And that's where the sparks started. In high school or after? Uh, after, much later. No, much yeah. later. I was living in uh, New York. I was going to college in New York, and I was thinking about moving somewhere. And right, what was it? Christmas break of my last year, my senior year, she came and visited, and we just sort of had a great night together. And then from then on, I said, like, okay, I can come visit like two weeks from now or in March. And I, and she was like, okay, come visit. And then for the next probably five or six months after that, we went back and forth 
And then, or I guess less than that, because in July I moved to uh, the Midwest and I've been here ever since. And you two have, spoiler alert, been exploring non-monogamy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Since essentially the beginning of your relationship, according to the emails we've received, mm-hmm. had either of you explored it or thought about it before you got together? Yeah, well... I'm just going to say I'm in Chicago because I'm not going to remember to not say that. So I was (laughs) dating someone here in Chicago and we'd been dating for about like three months or so. And he was moving and it was actually his idea to try non-exclusivity. And I was like, oh, how interesting. That's a very cool thing, you know, and it makes sense in a long distance scenario. You know, you're not going to see each other for stretches of time and So I went along with it and he moved away and I started kind of seeing someone and little did I know that that actually wasn't okay with uh, this guy who brought it up. Uh, He was livid. So he floated the idea and then was like, don't, don't actually do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was like, this is a great idea. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of that. And it just crashed and burned so fast. Oh no. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sorry. Your feelings are hurt. Uh, I kind of, enjoy this model. (laughs) And yeah, that's kind of the only experience before being with Thomas that I had with, you know, ethical (laughs) non-monogamy. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm just to clarify. So you, you two had decided it wasn't just like he mentioned it in passing and you just took the ball and ran with it. Like it was fairly well established that we are, I'm moving away. We're going to try non-monogamy. You tried it. And he was like, F this. That's exactly how it Okay. okay. Very strange. Makes, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. it, what probably happened, I'm not speak. I don't want to speak for him, but he probably just like realized that it hit too close to home or something like in, in you know. I think that's what happened. Sounds yeah. Like, like it, it makes sense. Like you think about it, you're like, oh, this sounds great. And then like a lot of things you actually try them and you're like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. not. Well, it's also <laughs> very easy to think about yourself sleeping with somebody else. But when your yeah. partner sleeps with somebody else, you're like, oh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> right. Well, some of us mean it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I had, I don't know if it was the same thing, but there's definitely the same sort of echoes in that I had an ex, well, you know, girlfriend at the time, but we sort of floated the idea and it was always this thing where it never reached any sort of conclusion. And so it was left in this gray area where it was maybe okay and maybe not. And I think it ended up actually causing more uh, trouble to both of us than it was worth, specifically in like... I don't know. I, I think I took advantage of it more than she did. And it was maybe a similar experience where it, it ended up meaning something else to her than she thought in the first place. But I will say that I think it's on both of us that we didn't really set it up properly in the first place. And I think that's maybe the difference with Amanda and I is that there was a conversation about it and that allowed us to sort of then renegotiate going through the whole thing. Even if there were disagreements, it was clear what those were. Right. So when did it actually come up between the two of you? Well, so as he said, he moved to Chicago maybe six months after we yeah. re-met. I think both of us assumed when when he set foot in this town, we were exclusive. You know, that's that was like an understanding that maybe we had. We never really talked about that. But I'd say maybe six months into him living here, I kind of became interested in in somebody that I knew from elsewhere. 
And, you know, I started feeling like conflicting things about this other person, but at the same time, there was this like voice in my head, like just talk to Thomas. He's going to understand where you're coming from. And I'm not really sure where, where that came from. It was just kind of like a, just a little voice. So I kind of came to Thomas and I was like, you know, what happens if we're interested in other people? Like, I don't see, you know, I have, I have faith in this relationship and I'm not saying anything about our relationship, but you know, I'm, I'm starting to have feelings for someone else as well. And I wasn't exactly sure what the response would be, but it was actually very beautiful. He was like, you know, if you feel like you need a breath of fresh air, like our relationship isn't going anywhere. And, you know, I trust you, I trust us. And that's fine with me if you want to open things up and try that out. And, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And just from his response, I was like, I'm going to marry this man. (laughs) You knew from that day. (laughs) That was it, I swear. And, you know, you mentioned before that that was the first time that it was like, ethical. And I think one of the pretexts to all this is that we both had a, maybe a history of non-ethical sort of non-monogamy. And that was part of the conversation too, is that like, well, you know, acknowledging that and sort of working with that is better than trying to suppress it. And so that's why I felt personally that like that breath of fresh air doesn't mean you know, going to someone else and sort of ruining the first relationship at the first place. Like it, it was clear in my head that that could work at least like theoretically, because I, I had sort of had experiences like that before. And, you know, with this ex, I, I'd sort of struggled to put that into practice. But when the opportunity came up, I was like, oh yeah, no, this feels very familiar and it seems like it could work. And it sort of made sense intuitively. Right. Well, I'm curious back on the the non-ethical piece of it, because that's an interesting, sort of an interesting approach, right? The mm. Each of you have, it sounds like, have cheated on a partner. And that kind of gave you that perspective that, like, in a weird way almost, that, like, yes, I'm cheating on them, but that's not because I don't want to be with them. But maybe I was just, like you said, this breath of fresh air that I wanted to experience something else while still being with this person and not to excuse it or say that you did it in the right way mm-hmm. but it gave you that exactly. per- it gave you that perspective that you are like oh well i've felt that before maybe i did it not the best way but mm-hmm. now we have an opportunity to do it the right way mm-hmm. yeah and you know that's a great point i feel like when i have cheated on partners you know i was very young but and maybe i didn't really know how to express what i wanted or you know but it wasn't because I was unhappy with the relationship. And that was always a struggle. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people maybe cheat because they're unhappy, but that wasn't what I felt. And so that was always like an internal conflict of like, I am happy and I like other people, you know? And so mm-hmm. when we kind of talked about it and when, you know, I felt that Thomas and I were on the same page, it was kind of coming from a place of like, okay, well, I have felt complete in a relationship and have wanted to go elsewhere as well. And I think that that's possible for my partner to want, you know, you know, it's awful. I think the feeling of guilt and just confusion around these like ambivalent feelings that you had, like just Amanda was just saying that you don't necessarily feel that your primary partner is like lacking in any way you know, perhaps in specific ways. And maybe that's where the sort of non-monogamy comes in. But those actually, those don't like reflect negatively upon their overall character or something or upon the relationship per se. It's rather just like a compliment to the relationship. And, 
I mean, maybe it's a good time to bring it up, is that part of this, at least on my end, was a desire to be with guys. And so there there was an actual sort of, you know, something that couldn't be fulfilled in the relationship. And it was natural yeah. to sort of like deal with it in this way, rather than, well, I mean, obviously, we could have dealt with it in different ways, but certainly not by just suppressing it is what I'm trying to say. Right? No, for sure. And I think that I think that's something that's hard for people to hear. That it's like, well, I should be everything or we should be everything mm-hmm. right. to our partner. And like you said, like just because Amanda can't have a biological penis or can't be a man mm-hmm. very easily. I mean, not that it couldn't happen, no. but <laughs> <laughs> it's not as easy as you finding another man that you're interested right. in. Right. That's a much simpler path yes. to complete that part of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so, but it's not a negative reflection on her. No. And I think no. that's, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. So when you started exploring and like those, Amanda, when you came to Thomas in that very beginning conversation and such, how did you take those baby steps forward? Or maybe they weren't baby steps. Maybe you jumped in. How did you move forward? It's a great question. Well, you know, I had uh, maybe come straight out of reading The Ethical Slut. <laughs> great book. And, <laughs> you know, I think I just jumped into like, what are the ground rules? Let's do this thing, you mm-hmm. know? We just set a couple of boundaries. We don't have too many rules, just the safe ones and the communication ones. And I think we kind of jumped in. Yeah, the idea was that if you feel yourself sort of developing feelings that would threaten the relationship, then you owe it to the other person to let them know. But that was kind of it. And actually, I think we've been surprised to see that those have mostly worked. And that is and condoms and condoms, <laughs> but you know, it's like they do actually work and those conversations are difficult, but they're not impossible. Well, I think a big difference between, um, the guests that I've heard you have on the show, we don't really share with each other. We're not in the swinging community. We don't explicitly reveal who we're sleeping with. It's more of like a kind of a don't ask, don't tell unless like, you know, I feel strongly about a person and I want to share that. I think we're pretty comfortable with being honest with each other. And we've definitely shared, you know, Mm -hmm. like you should meet this person or, you know, but it's been a little bit more casual than, you know, kind of all being together or yeah. I had a thought when um, today we were listening to one of your episodes and I don't remember if it was one of you or one of the guests said that the there's certain comfort in like setting up rules because actually by obeying the rules you sort of develop this trust and you learn that the rules can be broken but it's like you can't break them off the bat but they have to be set up in the first place and i think it's in the same way of like the communication that over the years i think we've gotten much more open and it's like at first there was a level of awkwardness around like who's sleeping with who and then when it did sort of become apparent, then there was an underlying sort of respect for the other person and be like, okay, let's just like, we both know, but let's not talk about it and whatever. <laughs> and then now it's actually become this thing where like, we'll just joke about it and whatever, you know, it's like perhaps not with everyone, but at least the acknowledged like partners, it's like, ah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That person. And actually it's become more and more comfortable. Right. So it was originally the rules were, be safe. And for you, you define that as using condoms Mm -hmm. and keep the communication open, but to a degree of, we're not going to tell each other who these other partners are necessarily. It's sort of, 
I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. It's more independent. Right. It's independent, but it wasn't so much as like, you're like, I'm heading to the bakery and you're actually going to do somebody else. It wasn't wasn't like a deceit thing. It was just like, you don't need to say, I'm going to meet this person and you know them and this and this and Mm -hmm. this. Right. Right. And you know, that might've stemmed from my failed attempt at non-monogamy. You know, I feel like sometimes it just causes more grief than it's worth to be like, I'm meeting Justin. And you're like, okay. And then you're just sitting at home, not meeting Justin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, it, and you know, I think a lot of that like discomfort can kind of be avoided if, you know, it's a little bit more casual than that. I, right. I think it like fell under the purview of the don't ask, don't tell. And that like, you know, if you're coming from home from work and it's an hour later, then it just is what it is, you know, (laughs) like it was never. And I think what made it easier is that for the first year, when I moved to Chicago, we didn't live together. And so that probably helped to set it up just sort of practically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did it shift when you moved in together? Did you have to adjust to the new model? Well, it's actually interesting. I'm a musician and I travel quite a bit. So what's interesting (laughs) Yeah, pre-COVID, of course. What's interesting is that most of my partners and relationships have been out of town, and most of his partners and relationships have been here. So it's kind of interesting now that we've just been here. (laughs) You know, I I haven't had the opportunity really to uh, I don't know travel and you know meet people that way. And yeah, I don't. I guess the way I've always like thought about it is that. Right. When she was gone, I feel like I had a tendency to seek out more women. And then when she was here, I occasionally sought out men. But I'd say like, by and large, it's definitely when she was traveling that I think both of us would would sort of act on these things. And actually, since we live together, yeah, it maybe happens less than one would expect. With the occasional threesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a piece that you'd both know about. Oh, yeah. well, they don't know about. They don't know what's happening. They both. They, We're like, shh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just the image of them both having sex with the same person, but not, yeah. but not knowing the other person is. It's a double glory hole. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy. Anyway, you were going to say something before I brought, put that image in everyone's head. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said earlier on that, you know, you had to kind of learn how to have those harder conversations. Like when either one of you felt like something was potentially threatening or uncomfortable or maybe just really exciting or something, you, ha- you know, you had to figure out how to have those conversations. Do you have tips or thoughts on navigating those conversations and how they've changed over the years for you? Yeah. Go to a restaurant and do it publicly. Cause I feel like you're both like just calmer and smarter and better at it. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just remember the first time I, I was actually the one that broke the ice that broke the ice that developed feeling for someone else. And yeah, it was while we were having brunch and it was just, it was funny. It was almost at like the end of the meal too. And I sort of brought it up and then we ended up hanging out for like another hour. The people in the lobby really love that, by the way, when they're waiting. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the servers too, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, it ended up being like, I mean, she was very understanding and it was very fulfilling to see like the rules actually work, right? Like the system that we had set up didn't break down. And, and that was great to see that I just had to sort of let my feelings be heard. And actually that allowed me to like process those feelings in the first place. And, you know, I mean, now, I don't know, a couple, I don't know when this was, maybe a, a year, year and a half ago or something, you know, I'm still with Amanda. I'm obviously not with that other other woman. And actually that sort of like broke off partially because of the conversation, but I feel like really it helped to sort of recommit in a sense. So really, I'm not sure I sort of understand it, but I, I definitely know that it like it worked. Well, in the and but again, to recap the rule, you didn't break any rules by developing the feelings. The rule mm-hmm. was no, if you develop all. them, have the conversation. Exactly. And actually, from the other side, I think when we made that rule, it felt very scary and threatening. Like, if you have feelings, we got to talk about it. But mm-hmm. when confronted with that, it was actually just like, you know, looking under the bed and seeing the monster and being like, oh, hey, it was okay. And, you know, this is like, out of the ethical slut, but I really do think that, you know, there is enough love to go around and, you know, there's not a shortage of it. And, you know, I do think you can love multiple people and that doesn't take away from this relationship, you know? And Mm -hmm. so kind of hearing that he was experiencing that, you know, and we could work through it together. And, you know, I had no say in that his feelings diminished. I think it would have been fine if they had continued on and, you know, it just kind of fizzled out, I think. But I will say though, that I have a feeling we're misrepresenting one thing, which is, I think that at the beginning of the relationship of like the beginning of this opening up, it was a partial understanding that we wouldn't like develop relationships with other people, but it was more on the level of hookups. And that's where it was a fine line of like, you know, maybe what could be termed like polyamory versus just hooking up with someone. But even in that sense, I think what complicated it is that, I don't know, I found myself actually having like, if I did hook up with a woman, it was a, it was a hookup. Whereas with guys, I think it, it was more of a, not repetitive, but an ongoing thing, an ongoing thing, right. That's a better word for it. (laughs) And even if that didn't, you know, develop the same level of relationship that I have with Amanda, that definitely caused some issues, at least like internally to me. And then I think when finally this happened with a woman, it's sort of like, it was the straw that broke the camel's back for me that it was like, Oh wait, hold on. Like something is happening here. Mm -hmm. And so are you two, have you gotten to the point where, the relationship, other relationships are now fair game and that sort of guideline of this is hooking up that's out mm-hmm. the window at the moment? Well, actually, I feel much more open to polyamory, like through this, this journey and these experiences, like, you know, actually kind of excited about those possibilities. And hooking up's cool. Hooking up's really fun. But, you know, I think some like longevity in other lanes is also really exciting. So, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I think coronavirus kind of threw us off track a little bit. It was a buzzkill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the other thing add to that is I think 
I just had the experience that hooking up just wasn't as fun as actually mm-hmm. hooking up with someone that you had a yeah. connection with. You would like, go and hook up and then be like, wait, I want my partner. Like where, you know, yeah, I, I and, want that connection. <laughs> and there wasn't the, you know, like the comfort with each other, like in terms of personalities, in terms of bodies, in terms of sexuality, like anything having to do that all over again every time when you just want to like hook up with someone, it just starts actually being like more work than it's worth. And there is a, you know, there's a comfort to having someone that it's sort of understood that it's a perhaps secondary or some sort of different relationship and that there's a structure around that and that it's actually safer for both people in that secondary relationship to understand that better. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm curious, and if you're not comfortable answering this question, feel free to pass. But something that I think gets for for some people listening, they might think like, geez, we're doing non-monogamy wrong. Like these people are hooking up with people all the time. And we do it, we do it like once a month or once once every six months. So mm-hmm. like just out of curiosity, like what was or what is before coronavirus put a buzzkill on it mm-hmm. all? like the rough frequency of like activity outside of your relationship? Great question. What do you think yours is? I don't know. Hi, but really only, only when I'm traveling. So it's, it's like a strange graph. Like when I'm away, it's multiple partners. (laughs) And then I'm home and I feel like the comforts of home. And so I'm kind of less inclined. Yeah. I think I hook up with more people when, when Amanda's gone overall, and I think in general, maybe I hook up with more people when Amanda's here than she does when, yes. when, when she's here. But when the two of us together, I think it's not so off the charts as like maybe someone else listening would think. I think. I oh, yeah. No, I was very worried coming on the show that we would be very boring. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're going to be the boring couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying to get, we're trying to bring something out of you here. So <laughs> no, not at all. I was just, and you know, again, it's thank you for answering it in whatever way you felt comfortable. Cause I think that's something that people, they do. We, we hear from people that are like, Oh, well we're boring. Cause we only do this twice a month. And we're like, well, Jesus, we do this like twice a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or some people. So I think it's this whole, like, everybody has a skewed perception of what everybody else is doing and everybody thinks everybody's doing it way more often and way more intense and way crazier than they are. Exactly. And the truth is there's a spectrum. Some people are doing like are going and sleeping with other people every, you know, every other day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's this, there's just such a wide range and that's the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think, you know, what makes it count is your attitude towards the openness, you know, and even if we were not to hook up with somebody for the rest of the year, it's still, we're open to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like brings up the whole conversation around COVID and coronavirus, because we've talked with some friends too. Like most of us have been back in, you know, some people are saying like forced monogamy, right? (laughs) But do do you consider, like, do you ultimately consider yourselves monogamous again, or do you consider yourselves non-monogamous, just not currently sleeping with other people? Like that, there's the whole conversation around that too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I I feel like we're the latter. We're still non-monogamous, but there's very little opportunity, you know, but you know, that's fine. It's just, I feel like everything comes in waves and goes in waves and, you know, I'm not upset about it. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, we're trying to be just safe generally with COVID. Maybe a more difficult topic is like, and this relates to how other partners fit into people's relationships, which is that actually what we've noted, you know, we were joking before about how this was like sort of a honeymoon for us is because we recently got married. But of course it's not, right? Like it's like, it is and it isn't. And I think at the beginning we enjoyed it and had a lot of sex and sort of like enjoyed each other's company, but it's actually dropped off a little bit. And I think the sort of pressure release valve part of non-monogamy should be, you know, emphasize that like it actually comes back to the original relationship and it gives it like a spice there, you know, it doesn't sort of, just, I don't know. It's not for the individual to like do something else over there. And then the original relationship is somehow separate, but actually it feeds into that. And I think there is a sort of that, at least what I felt is like broken down in some sense. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I was thinking before this, like, Exactly that, that it's like the new relationship energy that feeds into our relationship, you know, and when that's not there, there's like some sort of just like calmness about our relationship. But when there's that like NRE, you know, you Uh have like so much more tension and excitement and and it kind of feeds into what you bring home. Uh Yeah. No, and I think it's awesome that you bring that up. And this is one of the things that I'd probably bring up a lot on the show is the, the fact that it's okay. And it sounds like you two are very okay with the fact that the other people really feeds your relationship and gives your relationship energy. And that right now, like you said, you're seeing that those other people aren't pumping that in and that you've seen your sex life maybe slow down Mm -hmm. between the two of you. And I will say that is not the first time we've heard that in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's and it doesn't really mean, it doesn't mean that like your connection is any less right like or that your relationship has it's changed but it doesn't i guess the closeness of you two is just maybe different yeah. right mm-hmm. like that well how do you i guess how do you feel about yeah. it? do you think it's like has your relationship suffered because you're not able to go out and sleep with we're going to say 45 people a month yeah at least <laughs> i wanted to because i wanted average. to <laughs> I have to say it's not just the, like the other sexual partners, but actually I think both of us are very active people generally because I, I was working in restaurants before this, who knows when that'll actually start up again. But you know, I was coming home at 1am on a regular night. And if I went out dancing, then it'd be 4am. And it like that sort of a part time is just not happening anymore, and I think what I feel like his puppy, <laughs> you know, just following him around. I'm like, take me on my walk. It, it really like <laughs> we've gotten a lot more domestic in that sense, and I think that you know maybe people I think that helps their sex life, but for us, I think we actually like going out and having crazy times and then coming back and like not just sexual, but just generally seeing music, seeing friends, going to a bar, coming back and then, you know, being able to tell each other about it sort of, you know, this all feeds into the, to the energy into the bed as well. Yeah. And we're also very independent people. Like when we go to a party, we're never talking to each other, you know, like we're never in the same side of the room. We like to be kind of like, 
in our own floaty circles, you know? And so it is hard to kind of just be in this 800 square foot apartment. And I don't think our relationship has suffered. I I do feel like it's changed a lot in that, like, we're much more like, you know, tender couch potatoes, but (laughs) you know, it is a lot different than pre COVID. You know, it's become much more of like, let's cook dinner for each other. You know, before you'd go out on a date and then come home and have sex or whatever. Whereas like now I think the dinner itself is like, right. It's this more tender moment. (laughs) But yeah. How do you see it? coming out of this how what do you that where was do, my question okay well then go ahead no no no, no. You, know, you did you did a good job <laughs> I did it. thank you for, thank you i appreciate it so yeah where do you see it going when you good come question. out of this i mean it's hard thomas works in the restaurant industry i'm a performer so it's really hard to see the end it's a little bit scary you know thinking about like what month this will all change i don't know you know, so I think the summer is great for us, you know, we'll be much more active and outside. I'm terrified of the winter, mm. you know, I'm Where the kind we? of person who doesn't eat sitting down. Like I'm, I'm going all day, every day. And this has just been a complete 180. So yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. Not for nothing, but I think just the uncertainty about our jobs and everything I'm sure impacts our sex life as well. And yeah. that might be <laughs> part of what you were talking about with your other you know, interviewees or listeners or whoever, I'm sure that feeds into it too, whether consciously or unconsciously. And so the, you know, uncertainty about the future, who knows, you know, I'm trying to learn another skill and hopefully do something else. But obviously I want to get back to restaurants as quick as possible. The coming out of it, you know, I mean, I think in terms of sex, the end seems in sight. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like on that level, at least, I think it's possible that we will have some partners and like, you know, especially with the summer, you know, it's just like the ability to sort of move around and not, you know, I mean, if, yeah, we don't less of a, an issue with roommates and whoever else and, you know, things like that. But as far as the overall situation, I'm not sure that we know when that's going to change actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, think anyone does. No. And it's, you know, I think what you're to your point of the stressors of, jobs and now you shifted from having a lot of a part-time to lots of together time Mm -hmm. and like everybody's worlds were turned upside down and that's going to affect you in ways that you didn't expect and I'm sure there are some people who are like yeah we're home all day together and all we do is bang it out like 14 hours a day that's great but I don't think that that's (laughs) I don't think that's the majority of people yeah you know I think we did that the first two weeks it was super cool (laughs) and not happening anymore yeah. <laughs> it's fine it's fine you know waves because <laughs> well, of course that was a change then too right right like it was exciting in a certain sense it's like um, it was like a big snow day <laughs> yeah because both of us would be used to like yeah yeah i don't know leaving at 2 p.m and then seeing each other again at 2 a.m and now that whole 12 hours is there like we're <laughs> we're hanging out <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. Are you two out to anybody in your lives or how open are you about exploring non-monogamy to friends and family? To friends, I think we're pretty open. Mm -hmm. I kind of, in my friend group, I feel like my friends all want the dirt. They're like, what's it like being open? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially, you know, when we got married, 
I think a lot of friends were like, are you still going to do that thing? And we were like, well, of course, like that's, you know, that's what we're built on. And that isn't something we plan on changing. That's part of our relationship in terms of family. Not so much. It's possible that my grandmother knows, but we don't don't discuss it. (laughs) Yeah. I try to, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll sort of talk about it to illustrate a point, but I don't think I'm particularly like open or pushy about it. You know, it's almost like the, it's like the veganism thing where it's like, you don't (laughs) want everyone just talking about it all the time. But you know, yeah, I think it's, I think when people are having trouble in their own relationship and I see friends sort of struggling with these things, then I'll bring it up and be like, listen, like, you know, this thing is possible. And it's, it really just relies on trust. And if anything, it might build stronger trust. And so there's, there's sort of options there. But besides that, I think I try to, you know, just stay, I don't know, somewhat private. On the other hand, if I will hook up with someone, then it's very clear that this is my situation. Right. Um, It's not like a sneaking around, you know, it's funny, like your questions about friends and family. And that's precisely the point that it's like almost easier to tell it to strangers, you know, like we're doing right now. So (laughs) hello world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any (laughs) deep thoughts on that, but I, I did have another question. I mean, I agree with the thought of, or the comment about that it's easier to tell strangers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it is like because mm-hmm. in the end, a stranger's opinion means less than your family and friends. Like, right? If they, if mm-hmm. someone disowns you or tells tells you terrible things, like that hurts a lot more coming mm-hmm. from a family or friend than it does from a stranger. Yeah. But I have had great experiences with friends who have been like, actually, that is maybe something I want to do with my relationship and, you know, yeah. maybe I can try to open my next relationship or something yeah. like that. Cause I think, you know, they've seen it be successful and yeah, I think, I think that's great. Yeah. Actually, this is funny. I think I have told my dad and my brother and I've what? totally forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those late night conversations where all of us had been like drinking beer for a while. And like, I remember the reaction being like, huh. And it never got developed. And I think that's why I don't really remember it that well, but wow, I think it, it and why up. Amanda seems so surprised yeah. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I'll have a chat with your dad. I, I mean, I, I don't know what I sort of said. I think it was more on the level of, you know, it's like that monogamy isn't the only way, you know, it's yeah. more in this like negative way. But I don't know. I told my parents I was bi before I went to college. And that was one of those strange conversations where they were like, huh, okay. <laughs> and it never really got brought up again. So maybe that's why I was just like, well, okay, might as well be open about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. little one? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. To my point of like, it's harder to tell those people you're closer to, but it's also can be almost more important, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. then when somebody knows somebody that's practicing non-monogamy, it's easier to start to accept it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a question because I think you two are very happy, excited, bubbly people, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, are there things that scare either of you looking ahead in this journey together? I wonder like further down the road, you know, when we think about having kids, I wonder how it develops. It doesn't necessarily scare me, 
And I know that there have been a lot of successes, you know, and listening to your podcast is awesome. And, you know, finding people who have had those experiences is really great. But it's just something I wonder about, like, if you throw kids into this mix, like, how do you do it? And do you Mm -hmm. keep doing it? Or do you kind of like, keep it a secret? Or, you know, what method? That's kind of something I've always wondered about. I think that would be my main concern too. being in the worlds that we are. I think we're pretty accepted anywhere we go, you know, among like musicians and bartenders. It's like, you're not going to get judged for this stuff. Really? I mean, you know, that's sort of a blanket statement, but generally I think our friends have been very open. And so to see that continue is, is not much of an obstacle, but obviously when it starts impacting our family and really meaning kids, then I think that's a bigger question. But I also wonder if that's not just like a, you know, it just becomes like another scheduling conflict, you know, like it might actually not be as difficult as all that. I don't know. We don't have kids. So I I don't really know how to answer that. But I have a feeling in the back of my mind that it's not as like mystical as it appears, you know? That's how my feeling about it too. We also don't have children. So it's hard to, uh, I don't want to talk for people who are parents, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about it too. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder if like, if we do have a moment like we did that we were talking about where I came to Amanda and felt that my relationship with another woman was sort of threatening our relationship, I question whether it could be as worse as the first time, actually. You know, meaning that since we've gone through it, there's a framework for it and there's a way to talk about it. And it if it wasn't a catastrophe the first time, then why would it be a catastrophe the first time? Second. You know, I, I'm sorry, the second time. <laughs> <laughs> the Wow, that was, that was Freudian. But, you know, like the, I wonder what it would take for, for it to break down even worse than that if we have sort of each other's support. Right. So I guess that begs the question, Again, this goes back to YouTube being very bubbly and happy people. <laughs> Has that been your only like speed bump throughout this Road entire bump. journey? Was that one discussion at brunch? <laughs> wow. That one day. You have a better memory, one, memory than I do. So you a better it. memory. Well, I mean. And I mean, that's fantastic if it is. I'm just like, I think there's people listening being like, that was fuck? it? That was the worst? <laughs> like you, guys, you had one long run? Well, yeah. There, I mean, there have been a few similar situations. I might have been more threatened when he came to me and told me that he had been seeing a man for like a few months while I was away. And that to me felt... I was surprised you used the word threatening when it came to your relationship with that woman because I didn't necessarily feel threatened. Mm. I felt... Well, it's, it's interesting because whenever I've met someone that Thomas has been with, I've always been like, great judgment. Like (laughs) you pick really great people, you know, like, and so that's what I'm saying about it not being as scary as you think it might be. You know, I've really been so, uh, happy with the people he's uh, been interested in. And I think that it's been the same. I think it's been reciprocated, but having said that, I mean, I think the only quote, speed bumps have been the hurdles of kind of mustering the courage to tell each other when there's been another person in our lives. And that's happened on my end on on a few occasions. But I think, you know, jealousy is not something that goes away. But I think you have to just kind of, 
you have to learn how to, how to handle it. And again, it's not something to suppress, but something to kind of incorporate. And yeah, it hasn't been so bad, you know? We're still new. We're just five years into No, and it's fantastic. Like, I think, and that's, (laughs) you know, there's some people who definitely have a lot rougher time of it, but it's amazing that for you, it's been pretty great. And 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 like, to your point of like acknowledging that jealousy is there, like it's, you're just not pushing it off and say like this feeling doesn't exist. Like it exists and you can talk about it and you can acknowledge it and say, Hey, I'm feeling this way. They're not playing don't ask, don't tell what Mm -hmm. their feelings, right? Just other people. Right. No, that's the point. And if I can say something to Amanda's point too earlier, that like the flip side of jealousy, I feel is like paranoia. And it's funny that you mentioned that you didn't feel threatened by something that I thought was like sort of a, you know, rain cloud over my head, meaning that a lot of these things are actually just in your head and like within your own thoughts and feelings. And they might not actually have any sense of reality to your partner. But it's only through actually communicating it that that becomes reality to both of you. And both that level of, you know, guilt and paranoia and shame and these like negative feelings that you have towards yourself. And then also jealousy towards the other person, uh, you know, they have to be out in the open in a certain sense in order to even be acknowledged and sort of in a way they almost like dissipate on their own, you know, if you sort of process them. Uh, right. appropriate yeah thank you for sharing that is there anything yeah. else that well, you... i have another question go ahead Sorry. <laughs> this, question. One, this one is more just because we get <laughs> this question a lot too how do you meet these other people oh i thought of that earlier thanks for bringing that up i forgot about my question mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. nice uh well i worked on a bunch of cruise ships ah <laughs> so you just got people cycling through oh man there's like two thousand people your age and they all play music or do photography or sell beer or, you know, are just there and they're all attractive and you hang out all the time. It's very strange. It's like a total world in its own. It's a little bit like going to summer camp. But much more diverse from what I, mm-hmm. and I will, I just yeah. have to interject. I will put links in the show notes to a book that I read maybe two years ago that was a basically an autobiography of somebody who worked in the cruise industry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> I visited New Swat. That was uh, oh, one of yeah. our threesomes. Um, <laughs> actually, one of our foursomes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone knocked on the door. I was going to tell that later. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, we've met kind of people in both of our industries that we've like experienced together. And that was a strange <laughs> We've experienced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not knowing, you know, no, honestly, like yeah. friends. So I guess the, you, you don't use any you know? of the dating apps. That's what I was going to say that I tried the dating apps and I found that those are much worse dates than anyone that you just sort of randomly meet and, hit up a conversation with because there seems to be this like i don't know why but there's this hostility on both sides meaning that like you're like testing the other person whereas if you naturally sort of you know look at each other then you know that there's something there already you know there's like even if the dating app is supposed to like make that concrete that you're both already interested in it but that's not actually what happens, or at least in my experience, it's been a very, it's much more difficult, I think, to establish that. 
Whereas if you, yeah, even friends of friends, there's somehow a, you know, and it might even be tied up with other things like, I don't know, secrecy and sort of who knows, you know, if you meet a friend of a friend, then they might assume that you're already in a relationship and it's like, okay, you can't make the first move and all this other stuff. But actually, once you get all that out of the way, it's a lot easier. And I think it's actually, um, people are more open to the idea of trying something out than you or they yeah. might think. Right. And are you, so are you pretty open when you're talking to people that it seems like there's some mutual interest? Are you fairly open with the idea or the the dynamic between the two of you meaning that we're open. I'm sorry, just right. There is somebody that, that you're not a, a random single guy that they're going to hook up with, but that mm-hmm. you are married and have a partner and that you're in an open relationship. Yeah. I think it, once it gets to the stage where something's a possibility, then yeah, I feel yeah. the need to tell them. Yeah. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It feels better than, mm-hmm. than not addressing it. Or addressing it later, that seems very strange to me. But I mean, at the same time, that kind of like, if they're not comfortable with it, that gets that out of the way. And then, you know, that's not a possibility anymore. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. There's one time I had, it was funny where I was like trying to, actually, this was a, I think a Tinder date, but who knows, that I was trying to explain the situation that I was in and she like, started categorizing it. I think she called it like non-hierarchical polyamory, sort of like, like, you know, this was like 30 minutes since we had met in a bar. And I was like, this is my relationship. It's not yours. And it was this very strange interaction of like, you know, I mean, I, I, I get the necessity of people sort of conceptualizing it to themselves and calling it by something. But it that felt somehow like overstepping a boundary or something. It's like, why would you categorize my relationship? Whereas what I'm trying to do is actually explain it to you. Like it's just felt so, I don't know, maybe that's off topic, but it was just this strange thing that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to be labeled by this outsider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And that leads me to the question about, you said at the beginning that you didn't think of any bloopers, but then you said that you had a story. So do you have a blooper to share? I can't imagine that cruise ship didn't have just blooper Ooh. upon blooper. Well, I could do a, I could literally do an entire like three hour episode talking to you about living on a cruise ship. Yes, so. you could. And we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> speaking from someone who has never been on a cruise. No, but I, I have researched it extensively from multiple angles. <laughs> That's true. The, the people who work on a cruise ship are different than what you would experience on a cruise ship. It's, it's like the underbelly of the Titanic. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So this happened, I guess, two years ago. It was my first ship, and Thomas came uh, to visit and wound up proposing to me in Barcelona. We were, like, cruising Mediterranean and... He proposed. I said, sure. (laughs) I came for her birthday and I didn't propose on her birthday. So we went to sleep that night and she was like, oh, I guess it's not happening. And I said, well, there's always tomorrow. (laughs) And then I did it tomorrow. (laughs) I did it the next day. It was beautiful. And then two days later, we were in the bar and I don't know, some man who was so attractive and just so gay very i mean so gay he started kissing me and i was like 
what is going on? I don't think he had ever been with a girl ever. And I knew that by him making a move on me, he knew that this three was going to happen. So well, he had been flirting with me. For oh days. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was, sorry. I <laughs> failed to mention that. Like they were already in it. And I was like, wait, you're including me. <laughs> so honored. So we went to my cabin and did that. It's beautiful. And we were laying there and there was a knock on the door and we opened the door and it's my next door neighbor in a towel. <laughs> And he's like, I heard there was something going on over here. And we were like, what? It was uh, late. It was late. And we invited him in and we started all over again. <laughs> That's right. So it was me, a straight guy. He was straight. A bi guy, Thomas, and a gay guy. So it was the time of my life. I've uh, never had a night like that. We did all kinds of firsts. <laughs> right. Because he had never had sex with a woman. He told us that. And I don't think but he did that night. Just, but he did that night. And the straight yeah. guy had never been with a man, and I had never been with three men. It was wild. <laughs> <All over. laughs> that's, yeah. that's an incredible story. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a cruise ship for you. <laughs> I think is your, your mind blown. <laughs> I love it. No, I just. I think if there was ever an argument to get back on a cruise ship. <laughs> That, that is it. This is what will save cruise ships, I hope. <laughs> From coronavirus, yeah. We'll just tell this story to the masses. You're going to be the new spokesperson for Princess Cruise Line. So. I might take it. Well, well, anything else to Emma's question earlier that I interrupted by telling her I had more questions? Which was good because we got to that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other thoughts that you want to share with us or the listeners before we let you get along with your evening in the Midwest? Mm. I feel like we covered it. What's the best swingers party in Chicago? That's what we're trying to figure out. Wait, (laughs) swingers party? Um, You said you weren't weren't swingers. That was one of the first things. Not yet. Well, we are not tapped into the party network, mm. and I don't know that are any are happening. Well, right now, right. probably not. I would say that the best way to find that, because we don't know all of the swingers parties everywhere, mm-hmm. or even where we live, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're, we're not the best at sleuthing these things out. I would honestly jump on one of the dating sites, that try a couple of them, find the one that is the best in your area, and jump on there and look at all the events. Look at all the events. Mm-hmm. My guess mm-hmm. is right now there's few and far between, but yeah, that I know people are very anxious to get going on that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Did I hear you have a guest recently that had a camp set? Yeah, Polly yeah. Camp. Oh yeah, Polly Camp. Great. So that was episode. I can tell you, it was like three weeks ago. So anybody listening, go back three weeks. We'll put links in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. It was, Episode with Laura and David, and that is out in New Hampshire. And as far as we know, it is on schedule for sometime in August, like the first or second week in August. So yeah, all right, maybe that'll be our uh, rescheduled honeymoon. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, New Hampshire. Yeah, Laura and David are amazing. So if anyone wants to check it out, you should totally go. That episode is awesome too, Mm -hmm. and it covers the topic of having kids and polyamory. Oh, (laughs) yeah. 
in an extreme way. Yes, it so, does. So, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so, well, I guess then we will let you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for reaching out and coming on the show. Thank, Thank you, guys. And we're excited to do the follow-up cruise episode. <laughs> we will be in touch about that. Yeah, yeah. So. Don't worry. I have like a memoir ready. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much for and having we, us on. Yeah, we loved it. And we will talk soon. All right. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. And we're back. Are you not going to say it with me? This no, time? you're. You just scolded me in between. <laughs> in bet- during that interview, I was being scolded. Oh my gosh! So, what did you think of the cruise ship story? I think we've already talked with Amanda about coming back on and doing an entire episode about cruise ships. That'd be pretty cool. So I'm doing that. You can join me or not. <laughs> you do. Well, I want to hear. You, well, you can listen to the podcast. Oh wow! You're just kicking me <laughs> off this one. No, you can join. Thank you for your graciousness. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda and Thomas, for reaching out and being patient with us for getting an interview schedule and then coming on the show. We love talking to you and can't wait to hear your cruise ship stories as well. Absolutely. Uh, Really quick, one more time, I wanted to say thank you to Alt Playground for sponsoring this episode and all of our episodes. Uh, We're really excited to be working and partnering with them to help bring you, the listeners, an amazing platform to meet other sexy people. Yeah. Also, if you're actually going to go meet people in the real world, that's totally up to you. But we recommend you protect yourself using a custom fit condom from My One Condoms. 60 different sizes. 60 different sizes. I've tried all 60. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I like to I like to have a variety. <laughs> Sometimes I stack them like Russian nesting dolls. Don't recommend that. I don't recommend it either, but it is kind of fun to do. Okay, fun, not recommended. Head over to our website, go to the resources page, and you will see how you can get 20% off your order. Yeah. What the, else? The other thing we wanted to quickly remind you of that you can get $10 off an STI panel by going to our, our website and using the links for stdcheck.com. And doing both of these things helps support the show. So thank you for that. And uh, while the condoms do stack like Russian nesting dolls, the STD tests do not. I that's just true. That's just a disclaimer <laughs> for, the, for the listeners. Good job. Yeah. You can find all of link, those links on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And one other really important thing that we almost forgot to mention, Amanda and Thomas brought up Polycamp, which was an event that is organized by guests that were on episode 125. Laura and David. Laura and David. They're awesome people. And honestly, Polycamp is an awesome event. It was supposed to be in August. It was. And we, we reached out to them and found out that unfortunately it is canceled for this year. But stay tuned for next year. It will be back, uh, hopefully. Yes. And you can wear your custom fit condoms around all weekend. <laughs> we can't wait to join. Yeah. We, so we will We're, do we're our bummed that this year's there. canceled, but we totally understand. So yeah. stay tuned. Join next year. And go listen to their episode, 125. It's a fantastic story. Yes. And an example of what happens when you don't wear your custom fit condoms. <laughs> True. They kind of say it's an example of what not to do. Yes. So enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of your day. And hopefully we'll see you at the meet and greet tomorrow. And next week, we oh, do next have, our week regular, we have an episode. a regularly scheduled episode next Wednesday. It'll be an interview with Kat. Kat. Yeah. She is actually one of the partners of a former guest. That's true. So you'll have to figure out who that is when you listen. <laughs> Put the pieces together. Yep, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Okay. All right. We've rambled long enough. Too long. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow night at the meet and greet. Thanks for listening.